Episode 57 of the Adventures with Grammy podcast is an edited version of Episode 8 that features Caitlin Jane, author of Passports and Pacifiers, Traveling the World One Tantrum at a Time. I am putting that interview on replay because I'm caring for four of my grandchildren while their parents are away, and I chose playing with them instead of creating a new episode. This interview was popular last year, and I think new listeners will like it too. Before we listen to my interview with Caitlin, I have three important announcements, and all links are in the show notes. The first announcement is to sign up for my newsletter, visit my website, adventureswithgrammy.com, and click on the newsletter sign-up link. The other way you can subscribe to my newsletter is text to join. And start by texting the word Grammy, G-R-A-M-M-Y, to 22828. The second announcement is that I interviewed Manny Oliveras, the author of the book 100 Things I Love About Grandpa, on episode 52. We will be giving away a copy of his book to one of the Adventures with Grammy newsletter subscribers when he and his daughter are guests on an upcoming podcast. You may recall that Manny is a huge Disney fan and regularly vacations there with his family. His daughter owns a Disney concierge travel service, and they will be here in time for spring vacation to give us tips on how to best navigate the Florida theme park. And announcement three is a quick reminder. My family history storytelling journals are available for sale on my website. Family history is important and your story is important, but you must write it down to pass it down. And the journals are filled with tips to do just that. To learn more, visit adventureswithgrammy.com. Caitlin Jane says of her book, Welcome to the true story of two crazy parents traveling with four small children on a budget. Part memoir, part guide, this travelogue serves as an inspiration to new and seasoned parents alike. Starting with two bumbling parents taking their never-sleep infant to Italy and ending with an adventure across Scandinavia, Passports and Pacifiers follows a naive, baby-wearing family on eight memorable and nap-centered trips. Here's the replay of my interview. Caitlin is a world traveler. She and her husband have visited almost every state in the United States, and they have visited 25 countries, several of which with their children in tow. I read in your book that you've always had this desire and yearning for travel. And so it was just a natural progression to travel with your children. So just tell me about some of your adventures, how the book came about, and What are some standout moments that you think our listeners really need to hear? I know that your target audience is more of the the grandparents. And so it's interesting that the trip or the idea for the book came about on a trip without my parents. That was the trip to Scandinavia. And it was a little bit challenging because it was my husband and I and our four children. And I realized that Having my parents along was very, very helpful because they helped watch the kids. You know, it's just another set of hands. And the idea for the book came about in Scandinavia on the trip. And I 
I realized this, this crazy as it was, was the time of our life. And I wanted to share our experience with others so that they would be inspired to travel with their children. What are some tips for traveling with children? I have learned a lot of lessons while traveling with your children. I think that (laughs) it's important to have flexibility just to be open-minded when you're traveling with your children. They're little sponges and they look at us to see reactions. And so I love travel. And so when they see me enjoying something, they enjoy it as well. And so I think that is number one is, you know, do something that you're passionate about because your children are going to mirror you. I know you're probably looking for more tangible things. A couple things that are important to us is that I find that when my children have three important things, they tend to behave. And so that is I make sure that they get enough sleep. I make sure that they get enough food and the right amount of food, appropriate food, and they're able to burn their energy. So when we travel, those are three things that we try to incorporate. I am a huge proponent of napping and a regular scheduled bedtime. And so I really try to schedule our trips around that. When the kids were smaller, we would have a nap time. That would be either we'd schedule a morning activity, go back to the hotel, do an afternoon activity, or we would we would schedule the car time in the middle of the day so that the, the smaller kids would nap. It was just really important to us is to schedule around the naps. Additionally, I would make sure that We have the want-to-dos and the must-dos. So if you're visiting a place that's famous for something, of course, that's the one thing you want to make sure you do. But in addition to that, I may have two or three things that are on the potential list. So for instance, that might be things like a playground or going to the beach or, you know, a certain museum in case it rains. So just really trying to have a lot of options depending on how the mood of the day is. I read about your attention to details. You look up ahead of time using TripAdvisor or travel guides so that when you go someplace, you know exactly what you want your itinerary to be, or at least you have, like you just said, a lot of options available to adjust to children's crankiness or the weather or however you have to juggle your trip, that you're prepared for that. It's not a matter of, oh, what are we going to do next? you have an idea. I do. I I like to, I am a planner. So I like to have a lot of options. I like to know what, what my options are. My husband is much more spontaneous. So he'll go along with the flow. But if I have those options planned out, at least I can say, you know, here are the five things we can do in Florence, you know, and we can make a decision then it doesn't have to be mapped out. But at least knowing what all the options are really helps us out. I liked how you opened the book with your daughter in a temper tantrum in the airport. I like, I've been there. So yeah. I, I could just picture that her kicking her legs and hitting you with her shoes and her shoes lighting up. How have you changed as a mother and a traveler from Brooklyn child one to the baby child four? I think we've become a lot more laid back. I think it's nor- it, it's how it is raising children. You know, your first child, everything is structured. You read all the books, you follow all the instructions. I have an older sister who's in the book and I followed every advice that she had for Brooklyn. And I realized that a lot of it didn't work for me. We're very, very different people. And so our parenting style is going to be very different. So by the time I got to Siena, it was just, what are the things that worked for me? And we, we get it more down to a system. But I think that's how it is with having children in the first place. With travel, Sienna is the one that has to tag along. And so I always carry something on my back so that if she needs to be picked up, 
I'm not giving her a haphazard piggyback ride. She's in a carrier. You know, I've learned to bring snacks. I've learned, oh my gosh, there's just so many things that you learn just, just by being a parent and, and having multiple children. And I like what you said earlier, and also you write in the book that sleep, food, and exercise are absolutely imperative for every trip, that those three components have to be built in to be successful and for your children to have a good time. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because you know, hearing you say that, I am all about sleep. I, I, that is number one for me. Food. My husband is all about food. And, and both of us, we like to exercise. We like to run. We like to hike. It's pretty easy for us to incorporate those three things just by the two of us as, as the parents. Every place that we visited, there's going to be some fun playground for the kids. And when we traveled to Scandinavia, it was just amazing to see the different things that kids can play on there. And they loved trying out new slides or swings or climbing walls. It's just interesting to see in different cultures what everyone includes in their playground. So that was a lot of fun. If we hadn't been traveling with the kids, that's something we never would have experienced. So it's really fun to see their reactions and then also get to experience something new through their eyes. I admire your courage because when you talk about going to Costa Rica and walking through the jungles and not sitting on a log because there's a small brown venomous snake <laughs> and then there's this pile of termites, I'm thinking, uh, no, I've been to Costa Rica and I deliberately didn't go because <laughs> I, I don't want to encounter snakes. So I like, I like being by the water. I just admire your adventurous attitude. Ah, thank you so much. I'm excited to take the children to Costa Rica when they're a little older and can experience it a little little more. Some other adventures. My mother, when we went to Belize, my husband and I, we alternate with my parents sometimes so that we can do some of the more grown-up things without children. So we had gone to this cave in Belize, and it was really outstanding. But my parents were on childcare duty, and so my mom said that it was the first time she'd ever seen Ella, my second who was, I think, a year and a half at the time, experienced rain or like a big rainstorm. We had rented a little hut. The rain was just pouring down on this thatched roof hut. And my daughter was dancing in the rain. It was a warm tropical rain and she was just dancing in it. And she just had this glee bubbling up from inside her. And my mother said that she'd never seen such happiness before. It's just amazing to have these experiences you know, I write so that I can, I can share it, I can, I can document it, and also share that experience with others. And you give lessons learned throughout the book. And I was especially impressed with that. And then, and, and I think we haven't told listeners, you're traveling with four children, and we're talking infants and little kids. And so usually when you think of traveling, it's with older children and not necessarily young children. I mean, you breastfed the babies, so you didn't have mm -hmm. to worry about taking bottles and, and mm -hmm. formula, but there's diapers and there's strollers and there's car seats. And you talk about how, and I guess this goes back to your meticulous planning, how you had to analyze, were you going to need a car and did you need to bring your car seats with you? So talk about the planning and the thought process behind what things you bring with you. So let me just clarify. I didn't start with four. I mean, it's just like start <laughs> with one and you build on it. 
So I, I can understand traveling with four would be overwhelming, but we did take my, my daughter to Italy. And so I learned a lot of things traveling there. We did not bring a stroller to Italy. We had one child. So I brought a wrap with me and we figured that she would either, she would be in the wrap the whole time and she loved it. So it was really, really easy. We did not bring a car seat on that trip because we did not rent a car. The second time we traveled, we went to Belize. And when we went to Belize, again, we did not bring car seats. We did not bring a stroller. We just wanted to carry our children if we needed to on hikes and and whatnot. And we rented a car seat when we rented a car to go to Guatemala for the day. But then, you know, as we, as we progressed, when we were renting cars, I looked at the price of the car seats and they can get quite pricey, you know, like 10 or 15 to $20 a day per car seat. And remember, I have four children. I looked into what options we had for bringing our car seats. And it's really easy to bring an infant car seat because it can latch into the stroller. I put that in the book, you know, if you're bringing the stroller, bring the car seat when you have an infant because it all goes together. It's that whole little system. So we looked into what the best car seats are to bring, looked into whether we were renting a car or not, and I looked into purchasing some car seats. I found that there were actually some really cheap car seats that were available. They weren't quite the bells and whistles of some of the other car seats that we might have in our car at home, but they're the type of car seats that are safe enough, and they are pretty much the ones that you would rent anyways. So we purchased a couple of those. And those are also the ones that we use in our babysitter's car and the grandparents' car. You know, those type of car seats that that are a little bit cheaper. We found that if you're actually renting a car for a significant period of time, it it works out financially much, much cheaper. And when you're on your trips, we're talking like at least a week or two that you're gone. And you don't stay in one location. You travel around within the country. Usually we do. It, it really depends. I, I don't like to travel to a new place every night, but if we're gone for, I think the ideal period of time is about 10 days um, so that you're taking, you know, five or six days off of work and then incorporating the weekends. When we went to Scandinavia, it was a little bit longer, generally around a week because we were working parents. Usually it's like three or four nights in one place. And then depending on how long the trip is, you know, what it is. Now, when we went to Scandinavia, there were a couple one nights just because we rented the car and we had to get from place, you know, X over to place Y. And so we had to stop along the way. But in general, I like to be at a place for about three or four days so that we can get a sense of the place. We're not bringing a lot of stuff. And I found that to be the most helpful. But we are not the type of family that's going to go to a resort for a week, just pack our, you know, leave our stuff there. But you know, certainly there are families that do that. And as long as you get out and try new things, you know, see the country, I think either way can work for a family. And also you talk about slowing down. So by staying at the same place for a couple of days, it allows the children to kind of rest and get settled in and they don't feel rushed and anxious with the travel. I think having that sort of sense of being helps them. So that's why I try to plan maybe the three days here, maybe a one day for the transportation, and then three more days in a different place so that they can kind of have that sense, you know, when we go to breakfast the second day, they know which table they want to sit at. When we say, nope, we're not getting ice cream at this place, the next day they know they can ask for it <laughs> because they've seen it. So, <laughs> you know, they like to have that that sense and going to the same playground twice. You know, we're not going to go see the same 
monuments or whatever a second time, but they like to have a sense of, you know, where we are. And we've definitely found that to be helpful. One of the things about children being young is that they often don't remember things. Where I've traveled with my family and my young grandkids, one of the things that I do is try to help reinforce the activities and the experiences by talking with them and asking them to draw pictures or, you know, telling me about what they liked and they didn't like and reinforcing those memories even six months later. What have you done to help them remember those trips? It's a great question. And I think that the ideas that you have are, are great ideas. I remember the first time we took my kids to the zoo, we did that. We walked through the the story every night for, <laughs> it feels like a month, um, you know, like which animals did we see? What did that animal eat? What did it look like? Um, I love your idea about drawing a picture of it. We take a lot of pictures on our trips. My mother actually creates albums for her grandkids so that the kids can see what we did on the trips. They can see grandma and grandpa there. They can see themselves there. And it's been really great having those albums. I love to take pictures and put them on the wall. We take some short videos. In the book, I talk about this time that I decided to feed the pigeons at an amusement park we went to, which was not a good idea, but we actually have a video of it. (laughs) So the kids love seeing the video of mommy feeding the pigeons. It's just a lot of things like that. The pictures, the stories, the videos, you know, putting things up around the house, reminding them of it. Those are all things that we can do. And yes, of course, they're not going to remember it always, but just knowing that they went there, you know, my husband and I and the older kids having those wonderful memories, that's meaningful as well. It it doesn't matter if the two-year-old remembers it, but just having that feeling of, hey, I remember that my family travels and we're together. Mommy and daddy are giving me all this time and attention. That's the thing that I want them to take away from and, and have that warm feeling in their heart. Now, how old is Brooklyn now? She is almost 10. So does she talk to you about the trips? Do you involve her now in planning trips? Yes. So with COVID, we weren't able to go anywhere last year. And so this summer, she's in fourth grade. So we have a free national park pass. So we are hoping to go do some national parks. And so she is absolutely helping me with the planning which, well, actually, all of my kids are helping with the planning. You know, which animals do you want to see on the park? Do you want to hike? Do you want to swim? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? Yeah, absolutely. They help. And all along, they've been doing the packing themselves. I give them a list and say, okay, you need to have this many pairs of pants, this many shirts. So they absolutely help with the packing all along. And even on the trips, we ask them what they want to do. A lot of the time it will be, oh, I want to go to the pool. But we ask them where they want to go, what do they want to do, what do they want to eat. It's just like parenting at home, but just including them, having them feel that sense of ownership, it really helps with their enjoyment. In the book, you talk about food, and that's one of your husband's passions. But (laughs) you, you said about someone asking you how they reacted to eating new foods. And you said, well, they've been introduced from that since they were little. So as they've grown older, do they still have that sense of adventure of wanting to taste and try new foods? I wish I could say yes, but, you know, they're just like every other kid. Somehow they find mac and cheese and cheese and all of a sudden life is over and that's all they want to eat. You know, it really depends on the kid. Some of my kids are more adventurous than others. One of my kids will eat anything I give her. Another kid 
will eat just bread and butter. You know, it, it, it really just depends on the kid and it's challenging and it's something that I continue to do as a parent and try to push, but they're not as adventurous as I, I wish they would be. But I wasn't as a kid either. So I, I find that that's just a challenge in parenting in general. One thing that I do like when we travel is that, especially when we go with my parents, is that we have four different adult dishes and we try to get the kids to try them at least to spark their interest and try to get them to try new things. Nice that each of you order something different and then the kids have the opportunity to at least taste it, even if they ordered macaroni and cheese. What would you say is the biggest takeaway from your book? I would say there's a couple of things. The first is really just to try new things and to experience new cultures and just be open to new adventures. We love exploring. We love trying new things. And I'm really trying to incorporate that into my kids' lives. The, the second, as a parent or as a grandparent, is to see things from their perspective. It is so amazing, and, I, and I'm sure you know this, but it is so amazing to see their awe at something new, just to be a part of that experience. And so it's fun to even to go to some places that I've been before, but just to see my kids' reaction to seeing that. And this summer, if we, if we end up going out west, watching them see a grizzly bear for the first time in the wild or whatever it is, you know, it's just so amazing to have those experiences with your kids. And, and I think the other thing to take away is that even if they're small, they're still getting memories of the experience together. And the fact that mom and dad took the time off of work, we're doing this together, and it's going to be just a fun adventure for all of us. They might not remember that we did this for breakfast or, you know, we saw this specific thing, but they will remember the time together and the devoted attention that we gave them. Absolutely. I think that's so important with whether you're traveling or that you're at home. It's just the, the feeling that you get from being together. They grow up knowing they're loved and they're cared for. Absolutely. And I love that you say the loved because I have this friend who shared with me that she always felt that she was her parents' favorite kid. And I'm trying to raise all four of my kids to feel like they're the most important person in the world to me. And yes, of course, they've got their siblings. They all feel that they're my favorite, which to me, it, I love that they all think that they're the most important person in the world to me because they are. You talk about when your parents are on the trip with you, you and your husband get time away. Do you have the opportunity, and I know you talked about being in Arcadia National Park and you and the baby and the dog went hiking. Do you have time or do you take time to enjoy or experience the country with just one child at a time or two children at a time so that you have that individual time with them? Absolutely. That's a very vital part of the trip for us is to give the kids that one-on-one -on -one or two-on-one time. Nap time is one time that we do that. So usually my husband or I will stay back with the sleeping kid or two, and then the other person will take the kids out. So for my husband, he usually takes the kids to the pool, the, you know, the older kids to the pool. And I usually will go for a walk with the kids or go get ice cream or whatever. It's very important for us. And it's really a form of discipline for us as well. Like if one kid's having a meltdown, they might be getting that one-on-one -on -one attention and go 
go for a little walk or, or go for a talk or whatever it is. And the other person will take the other three kids. I mean, I'm blessed with four children. So there's a lot of different variations that we can do in splitting the kids up. But yeah, six people gets to be, a, or with my parents, eight people gets to be a bit much sometimes. So we do split off into smaller groups when we can. And when my parents come along, that allows my husband and I to get a little break from the kids. We can go out for dinner or we can do an adult only thing like the cave exploration. But absolutely, we try to break into smaller groups when we can and see the things that each of us wants to see individually. You talk about the national parks, which I think is a fabulous travel idea, especially with children. But what's your big next big international trip? I have two that I would like to do. One is to go to Australia. I studied abroad in Australia and I still have friends there. So I'm hoping to go there for an extended period of time. They will not let Americans in right now, but as soon as we're able to go there, I would absolutely love to go to Australia. I studied in Queensland. I visited Sydney. My dad played professional basketball in Melbourne. So I have a very strong connection to that country. The other is that I would like to go to Eastern Europe with the kids. My grandmother is from the Czech Republic. And so I'd like to go there and see where she, where her family is from. I think that both of those, they're both kind of like my dream trips in the next two or three years. And, you know, once the kids are older, there's so many places I want to go, you know, to Southeast Asia and Africa, South America. There's just so many amazing places that we can go. A couple of episodes ago, I interviewed the founder of the Family Travel Association, and I had asked him, of all the places in the world that you've been, what is your favorite? And his response was Africa, that it to him was the place to go. So that's on my bucket list, as well as Australia. Australia is amazing, and I cannot wait to take my children to Africa. But Africa is expensive, and so that's one of those places that I want to go when my kids are a little bit older so they remember it. <laughs> like, like you said, I don't mind taking my kids to places that I can find really cheap discount airfare and go a little bit off season. But Africa, I, I want to make sure that I do it to the best of our ability. One of the other things that this gentleman talked about was when you're planning a vacation is to start with the activities that you want to do. So when you talked about you know, your children helping you plan for the parks. It's like, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to hike? Do you want to go and you know see the water? That's exactly what he recommended is figure out the activities that you want to do and then plug in the locations that have those activities. And the parks in the across the national parks have just a plethora of ideas and adventures to enjoy. And I read in the paper, we now have a new park in West Virginia, a, a new national park, just like within the last couple of weeks, it's been designated. I live near West Virginia, and I've actually gone whitewater rafting there with my sister. My husband went there when he was in college, I believe. And it's really a fun park. I mean, before it was a national park, it was fantastic. So being a national park, I'm sure it'll be even better. One question I forgot to ask you is what has been your overall favorite trip? Oh, that's a great question. I would say my absolute favorite destination was Costa Rica, which was amazing. There's just so much great stuff there. My favorite trip was probably Scandinavia because I had all four children with me and my husband. And it was just amazing to see that with them. Every trip seems to be better because the kids are a little bit older, a little bit easier. And I've learned a little bit from what I did before. 
So destination-wise, Costa Rica, but trip, probably Scandinavia. Before, I'm really just trying to inspire people to get out and see the world with their, their kids. It's not as hard as it seems. You know, I write about it, and I, I know that I write about some of the, the tricks and challenges that happened along the way. And yes, it's all 100% true, but I, I'm sharing it to be honest, not to deter people from traveling because, you know, things do happen and you're going to miss the, the ferry. You're going to have a kid that melts down. But looking back on it, I wouldn't change anything about where we went, you know, taking my children, any of that. So I'm very blessed to have been able to do that. And I really hope that it inspires people to get out and see the world. That's one of the beauties of your book, though, is that it's an honest account of family travel. You don't try to sugarcoat it and say, oh, you know, everything was perfect. We had this wonderful time. I mean, you give the raw emotion (laughs) of the meltdowns. And my heart was aching for the child and for you. And I can only imagine that you were feeling a little bit embarrassed, especially as people were looking at you saying, what is yep. that child doing and why is she not taking care of that child? But that's what children do, you know, if they're tired or they're hungry or balloon got away or something didn't go right for them. They're stressed and that's how they deal with it. I really appreciated reading those things. And part of me chuckled and part of me is like, oh, I feel so sorry for her. Yeah, well, like you said, it happens at the grocery store. It happens at the playground. <laughs> it happens anywhere. And so if if it's going to happen, enjoy it and be around things that you want to do and you're going to get through it and just try to find the positive. But those are memories. And I guess that's another question I want to ask you. Does Brooklyn, now that you've put that story in the book, how does she feel about that? Or does she know it's in there? Oh, she's, she's fine with it. She, she and Ella both were on Zoom still for school and they are showing my book. They're so proud. Like it's, it's amazing being an author and having children show your book to their friends and be proud of their mom. And and I'm really, this was not an intended consequence, but I'm really proud that they can see that their mom is following her dream and, you know, that I've done this. So she's not embarrassed, but she's also only nine. (laughs) So maybe by the time she's a teenager, things will change. But right now she's, she's just very proud. Oh, that is so lovely. It just absolutely warms my heart to hear that. Are there any words of wisdom that you want to leave our listeners? As I said earlier, just keep an open mind, be open to possibilities, and be willing to try new things. There's so much out there in the world, and it's important for us to try things that might be a little bit uncomfortable, but there's so much benefit to seeing the world. There's so much benefit to traveling, and especially with children, introducing that to them young. And, and also, I just want to emphasize, we haven't touched on this, but it's not as expensive as people think. There are ways to travel at a discount. There are things that you can find. You can go camping if you can't afford a hotel. You can drive if the flights te- seem too expensive. And there's so many different things that you can do to find cheap flights. You know, kids under two fly free. You can use airline credit card miles. Kids can go on a cruise for free. There's just so many things that you can do. Don't feel like you have to have tons of money to travel and to do these things. There's there's so many options out there. Be open to possibilities. Where can they find you and where can they find your book? So my website is 
www.caitlinjane.com. My book is available wherever books are sold. You can get it through my website or through Amazon or Barnes & Noble, your local bookstore. I also am on Instagram, posting some of the photos from our trips and, and Facebook, Passports and Pacifiers. But I would absolutely appreciate any new followers or listeners. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode of the Adventures with Grammy podcast. You will find the links to our guests and the topics we discussed in this episode's show notes. If you would like to be a guest or if you know someone who would be an awesome guest, please connect with me at carolyn at adventureswithgrammy.com.